This is Pop Fiction Women. I'm Corinne. I'm Kate. And we're complicated. Blunt. Total boss. But sometimes a mess. Opinionated. But never boring. And in this podcast, we're discussing the complicated women of the best books, TV, and movies. Along with the complicated women behind the scenes. Warning, lots of spoilers ahead. So come back when you're done. Hurry up, it's starting. Oh, you're shaking things up here. I am. It's it's gonna get a little crazy today. I don't know, I just feel like... (laughs) As we discuss 28 Summers by Ellen Hildebrand. Yes. Our first, even though this is what her like 25th book or something like that. I, I feel like it's got to be more. This is prolific is a word we would use yeah, to describe her. Absolutely. And late to the party is a word I'd use to describe <laughs> us clearly. clearly. Although you're really late to the party because you've never read yes, this is one my, of her books. This is my first. This is not your first. No, I've read maybe five or six. Okay. Yeah, that's actually pretty good. But And I do like her, but I wouldn't consider myself a diehard. I mean, as you can imagine, her fans are like the minute the book comes out, they have it and they read every single one. Right. Everyone I've read... I love, and they are all compelling page turners. Like right. you can't put them down. So, and I'm a huge fan of Nantucket, and they're all set there, right. and that's where she lives. So right. I'm surprised actually that I haven't read more of them. That you're not a, a Hilderhead. Yes, I know. Themselves. I love yes. it. I love it. They have a name. <laughs> yes, of course, as all good groupie groups yeah. do. <laughs> groupie groups, fan yes. groups. They always have a name. Yes. Okay, so then why are we doing this one, Kate? So I had seen a lot of buzz for this book, and I know it was on the New York Times bestseller list. and As many of her books are. But, you know, we read and watch a lot here on Pop Fiction Women, and so I just don't always get to things. It was, But it had had been out there, and I had seen it. I'm like, "Mm," you know, but then... I saw a post from a group of women in my town who are in a book club and they were raving Mm. about this book, which caught my attention to begin with. But then the comments that the people commenting, it was just like, it seemed as if the entire world had read and loved this book and I was just missing out. So I went on, so then I went on Amazon. I'm like, I got to look this up again. And I read the blurb and I was like, oh, this concept like totally intrigues me. Yeah, I was like, this is right up my alley. So then I ordered it. And I start, I'm like, let me just start it. And I don't know what I was thinking, because like I said to you, they're all page turners. So I read it in less than 48 hours. I was really addicted. And then I told everyone I knew to read it. (laughs) And because I needed people to discuss it with, I, you know, which we're obviously about to do. This is a book you want to discuss. It really is. So I get that. So who better to discuss it with? Than you. I mean, I need I yes. needed your input. But again, you're you read a lot of things too. And I was and it's not short. I mean, this is a four hundred and thirty-five no. page book or something. So you're like, all right, Kate, I'll check it out. Lie. But I mean, it's long. <laughs> not gonna lie. I was definitely intimidated is not quite the right word, but neither is turned off. It's somewhere in between those two. I was just like, oh, that's long. That looks like a thick book. I don't know. And then, so you had read it, but I had, and I bought it immediately. And I was like, if Kate's on board, I'm on board. But it seemed to kind of get lost in the, I don't know if this is the end of the summer, Mm -hmm. whatever. And then recently, we talked about it on the Dead to Me season two recap that we were doing. 
And I had thought of this book, God Shaped Whole, Mm -hmm. which was from like 15 years ago. And whatever had triggered me to think about it, whatever had triggered that memory, I bought it again because my books are still in storage. Mm -hmm. Most of my books are still in storage from the pandemic move, being displaced. Yeah, being displaced. So I bought a new copy and I started reading it and I was like, oh my God, Kate, please, you have to read this book. Like, it's so good. I need to know what you think about it. I need to know if you hate it or you love it or what. And I felt like it was a really good gauge of like the complicated woman and what we're unpacking here. And you, as you always are, were game and you're like, I got it. I'm reading it. I'm going to, I'm on it. And I was like, well, if I'm going to make her do that, then I need to go right now, march in there and pick up that damn 28 summers. <laughs> right. To be and fair, you were like, all right, I'll, ch- yes. I'll check out your obsession if you check out mine. Exactly. I have learned enough in life at this point to know if you're going to demand, and I demand things of people. Right. I yeah, do. Yeah. I expect a lot of other people, <laughs> but they should in turn expect a lot from me. And even when they don't put it on me, I, I'll i do it. Yeah. You didn't say anything about it. And I was like, I have to do this for her, even though she hasn't asked me. <laughs> and of course, I was completely hooked. I mean, she just takes you on a ride. It is wild. This book is so long because, and spans so many years. So I understand partially why it's so long. But man, she just takes you on a ride. It is, it's wild. It's wild. And God Shape Hole, which is by Tiffany Bartolo. Di Bartolo. Di Bartolo. Yes. Uh, also, though, or just to be clear, yes, you asked me to, yes, but that you, delivered yeah. yes. big time. And I know that took me on a ride. I was obsessed. I was walking around the house reading it, like I couldn't yes. put it down. So we were having the same mirror experiences with each other's yes. book. And then we thought maybe we could do them together, yes. but then that didn't really yeah. pan out. But no. but anyway, yeah, it wasn't it wasn't what I envisioned. It was part of what I had. I know that Ellen's books are not political. She's, yeah. She, in fact, stays away from that. But the reason I never read them was, in, in some ways, political because I was like, this is a beach read type of mm-hmm. book. It is something that's going to be for, targeted to like the ladies who lunch type. And that's just not me. So I was like, this is not going to be a book for me. I was really wrong. I was really wrong. It was it, it had so much to give despite its branding that just I was like no this is yeah this is not yeah gonna, well she yeah. is the queen of the beach read they say but she likes yes. to say it's a better beach read and it's true it is yeah. i mean yes. it's got the elements you love of a beach read which is the it's compelling it's page turning there's a love story yes. you know it's great setting you know really draws you in yeah. but like you said there's a lot of other and you say she doesn't get political but you've got a character running she does in this yeah, book exactly, yes. running for president which is funny because that's so much of the criticism of the book. The the Hilderheads do not appreciate that. Oh, but, really? But I didn't I know cer- that. Oh, there's a lot <gasps> of, I wish she had avoided the virtue signaling oh. and the- The confirmation know, the hearings ca- of that? Yes, the fake Kavanaugh. Oh. I roll my eyes at that, whatever. Oh, wow. She's, I wish she'd stick to what she does and don't get Oh, and of course that. I love that part, so. Of course, <laughs> I did too. So, and I don't know- whether I'd love, you know, some of her 20-odd 
books before this one, but I loved it. There were characters that I loved, characters that I did not love at all. Moments where I was cheering, moments where I was cringing. It, it was a And there was ride. crying, and, and not for you, but I, I, I there was for mm. me and I think for lots of people at yes. the end too. So I was... Yeah, well, we'll yeah. talk about the end Oh, later. yeah, we'll, we'll get we'll to talk that. About that. But let's talk about the whole point yes. of this podcast is to talk about complicated women. Our protagonist, Mallory... Is she complicated? Mm. <laughs> Where are you going to come down on this? I had trouble with this one, Corinne. Yeah. I really yeah. did. I mean, I had to think about this. Yeah. I had to go back to our old criteria. Criteria, yes. I really did. Yes. I, and? and I mean, let's just review the old criteria real quick now. Sure. So I love it. Never boring, blunt, direct, mysterious. Mm workaholic slash productive, has all the answers, full of wisdom, and all the questions, so curious or seeker, private, Mm. makes you work for it, slash plays games, unpredictable, she wants you, but she doesn't need you. So those are like sort of our original, and we we haven't gone through them all in a while. I mean, I'm not sure she meets a lot of those. That's true. Really doesn't. But then, you know, on our author interviews, we've sort of I'm not going to say we've redefined it, but we tend to say that what we mean by complicated women are just real three-dimensional human beings with contradictions Mm -hmm. and conflict who don't always make the right choices, but who we relate to nonetheless. And under yeah. this, I'm a little more generous then, right? Ooh. Well, yeah. Oh, not me. Well, <laughs> I go the opposite really, way, but go ahead. Only yeah. because, yes, I totally. guess, because I think most people would say she's making choices that a lot of people don't agree with. Maybe this, the, the whole premise of this is the same time next year. She is in an sure, adulterous sure. relationship. Sure. So, sure. but I still yeah. think a lot of people who don't no, agree right. with that, in theory, right. relate to her nonetheless. I do think that's true. Right. Although when they start out, they're not in an Correct. adulterous relationship. Correct. Or she's yeah. not. So I don't know. Maybe I had, maybe that's why I didn't see it that way, but it's it's obviously true. Yeah. Leland I and got, that's, Fifi, yeah, just, yeah. Yeah, they just, do not yeah. think she's complicated. <laughs> or they have a little bit of an argument yeah. about it. And yeah, you're on page yes, 138. Yep. Yes, yes. So Leland says, Mallory is particularly suggestible, easily swayed. I told you that before we got here. She's a follower. And Fifi says, I think you might be wrong about that. She has spunk. She's uncomplicated, maybe, but she's hardly a doormat. Mm -hmm. She reads what other people tell her to read. The entire time we lived in New York, she borrowed a book as soon as I finished with it. The point is she's harmless. Okay. But anyway, so she's saying she doesn't think she's complicated. And Fifi is saying, think there's a little bit more there. And I am firmly on the Fifi side. So I agree with you. I went through our criteria, even though we've abandoned them, because frankly, so many of our protagonists of late have blown yes. those criteria out of the yeah. water. Like there, no one would argue whether they're complicated Correct. or not. So we haven't even needed criteria. Mm-hmm. But I did go back to them and I was like, no, she doesn't really meet any, maybe one that we'll talk about in a bit. But most, for the most part, she does not meet the criteria. But then I thought, I think she's got, she's creating a new criteria for Ooh. me or at least a question. Yeah. Does having a secret oh. make a woman complicated. Oh. I and yeah. Yeah. 
No, I think that's and, a great one. Yeah. And Bayer yes. says it outright, you, right? This is amazing. You literally are going down my points. I'm like, and then combo yeah. with Bayer. <laughs> yes. And he's intrigued by her only in the way of thinking she has a secret and there's something Big. beneath her. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody has and a so, weakness, he says. I suspect there's mm. a secret you're keeping as well. Yeah. So some sort yeah. of fault And line. that is intriguing to him. That's what makes her intriguing to him. Right. The fact that she could have that and that would give her more depth, give her more dimension. And I, I think I agree. Yeah. I think just is someone who seems one way on the outside but then has something completely kind of crazy and outside of the norm mm -hmm. on the inside. inside, I think that makes you, I think she's got a, an immediate pass yeah. right into the complicated women for me. I don't think I would have done this book if I didn't see that part of it. Yes. You know, it's also like someone with a past, like a really dark past. You know, you think even if they're on the straight and narrow now, there's something old that lurks within them. And Right. There's something I, under the surface. So even yes. though on the surface, you know, she's often described as nice, a nice person. Yes. You know, Fifi even yeah. says that. Bear Burkhart says that in that part you're reading from, you're a nice person yep. and a good person, you know? And even yeah. she says later, like, she just wants to be a good person. And that alone, you'd be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's great. Yeah. Except I found her to be totally judgy and bitchy and I didn't find her nice at all, it's but, true, but uh, that is what they say in the book. Right. She's yes. described yes. that way a yes. lot. But yes. you're right, which on its own would not be terribly complicated or interesting. But knowing that there's this un something under the surface and she's she's calls it her weeks, you know, she's got a weak spot, a yeah. fault line, yeah. which is Jake. Yeah. So yes. that does add a dimension that I think you're right, mm -hmm. pushes pushes her over. Yes. So I I gave her a full pass just on that. Yeah. I think there's so much more going on there. Now, this book doesn't really delve yeah, into that. Yeah, I was just going to say that. But we can. Yeah. And we can, you know, go, okay, all right, there's something there. Yeah. I think we talked about it on one of our author interviews where, oh, Tia Williams, mm -hmm. where I was like, there are the, some people aren't complicated. And you find out when you're at, you know, mom's night out drinking and you're like, eh, there's nothing there. And then others, you're like, hmm, let me saddle up next to you and find out what else is going on in there. That would be Mallory for me. Yeah. I could totally, I would sidle up to her at a school function and be like, hmm, yeah. tell me yeah. what's going you on You would want here. to pull yeah. that thread right there and see what yes. else comes out. I, I agree with you. And then there's also Ursula yeah. in this book mm -hmm. who does not get a point of view, although she's obviously a presence in the book at being Jake's first girlfriend and then wife and then mother of his daughter. Mm -hmm. She's in the book from the from the very start essentially, but she doesn't have a point of view until later on, right. which I really love. Yeah. I mean, she, at first she didn't seem very, again, didn't seem very complicated. She was just this cardboard yeah. cutout obstacle, like you are the one keeping Jake from me yep. kind of thing. And, and one dimensional, I, get, I felt at first, yes. just like the cold, mm -hmm. whatever. Yeah. 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 But then her... Is it her dad or her mom dies? Her dad dies. Okay. When, and yeah, then her, she shows a softer side and kind of 
changes. And it sets off a whole bunch. Then she has a baby and then she has an affair and then she, or I guess she has the affair and then the baby. And and then- 9-11 happens and she wants to entirely change her career and go into politics and move back to her hometown. And This was not even close to me. I did not even need to invent a new category for her. She was definitely a complicated woman. Exactly. I wrote like much easier call for me here on this one. Like absolutely, yes. She's- unapologetic. She puts her career above all else. She's direct, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, about her feelings. And I love the the stuff about them trying to mommy track her at work. That was like, I, yes. I understand for me, that's very personal given that yes. she's at a law firm. But for yeah. Ellen Hildebrand to even work, for example, what you were saying before, you, she works a lot of s- more serious things into a beach read, but to have even yes. just this little bit where she really nails it about what how mm-hmm. women are questioned, and in this case, it is at a law firm, I'm sure it happens elsewhere, the minute they have yep. a child, like their judgment is questioned, their ability, all of this, and how it doesn't happen to a man. And she's got like a whole diatribe, a couple paragraphs in there. I'm yeah. like, this is dead on. Like, in a, yes. again, maybe to someone else, they're just like, yeah, yeah, they would just want to get back to Mallory and Jake. But for me, mm-hmm. some of this stuff, and it comes in a lot through Ursula, like I found so yes. interesting. Yes, yeah. I love them when she's in politics and kind of uses like style and, you know, they say at one point like Ursula's style plus substance, she's the complete package, mm-hmm. you know, because she really mm-hmm. is like, I loved her Leland letter. I don't know if we're going to talk about that. Yeah. But how, that's where I think she's so self-aware, mm. you know, I mean, they ask her in a box of crayons, what color are you? Yeah. She says black. Yeah. And you're my father used to say I was serious as a heart attack. Yeah. But I and that I'm like, oh God, I'm sure I've been accused of that. But but then she said, <laughs> plus you outline everything in black. It's a hard working mm-hmm. hard color. Working. Right. I, like, I yes. love that. Like that's Ursula, mm-hmm. right? She's black, meaning mm-hmm. the color black in her mind because she's serious and hardworking and like the thing that you outline with. I just yes. thought that was awesome. I did too. You know, and yeah. then... Yeah, I did not relate to it, but I thought it was very self-aware. Not that I'm not serious or hardworking or any of those things, but those are just not words I identify with. But I did think it was great because it really showed her, it showed her self-awareness. And also sometimes, I think I said this in Foodie Love, right? Sometimes as soon as you're aware of something, it begins to change. Like, yeah. isn't that a scientific proof? As soon as you observe something, the very observation of it changes the thing right. that you're observing. Right. So that was a point of, we're going to see big change in her. Yeah. And yeah. What do you think yeah. about her answer that then caused controversy where she said, again, in response to one of the Leland letter like questions, men are not the enemy. I realize that's mm. going to be very controversial for your readership, but I've found in Congress and in my professional life in general is that men want women to succeed. It's the women who are cloak and dagger. Mm. I was like, damn, Ellen. Yeah, yeah. Again, I, in your beach read. <laughs> I know, I know. This was probably a great book for me to start on for her. Yes. <laughs> there was so much depth in here and so many ideas kind of just sprinkled out. But again, what we talked about with Chloe Benjamin in The Immortalist, she doesn't really lead you anywhere, mm-hmm. right? There's there's every point of view is covered. She's not beating you over the head with this is this is the truth of the matter, but 
she presents it. And you're like, oh, that's a little sneaky. That's that's some big thinking there. It is. And, you know, it's something that I've thought about a lot. I mean, I've got a lot of male mentors in a law firm. I've not really had female ones. They, I've tried to sort of change that myself with the people that work for me, but I did stop many times in my life and wonder, hmm, like, why are the, is it the women that aren't helping or is it that? And we talked about it in Unteamed, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Or is it just that the men are the ones kind of in the positions of power? So they're naturally more the mentors. I mean, I don't know, but I, I thought that was interesting again, and it comes in through Ursula. She gets in through her a lot of what I think are her own thoughts on women and politics and in the workforce. So that's why I found Ursula very rich in that sense, her character. And even what she says about marriage. Like, we're going to talk about Mm. marriage, I'm sure, a lot in this. You know, they ask her her proudest achievement in that little Q&A. And she says, I guess I'll say my marriage. Oh, right. Leland's like, oh, shit, because she knows, like, uh uh-oh. But she says, I've been married for 16 years, but Jake and I have been together for over 30 years. Honestly, I don't know why he stays with me. And she's like, what do you mean? You're like an intelligent, accomplished woman. And she says, I'm a witch at home. I'm demanding Mm. and ungrateful. And I have to schedule in family time, though that's the first thing I cancel when things get busy. Mm. I'm aware that if I don't start having some fun with my daughter, she'll grow up either hating me or being just like me or both. And yet I have Mm. this idea that if I stop working even for an hour, the country will fall apart. People throw around the word workaholic like it's no big deal, like it's maybe even a good thing, but I suffer from the disease. I'm a workaholic. I'm addicted to work. So yeah, I'm not sure why Jake stays, but I'm grateful. Oh, I was like, wow, because talk about one of our characteristics, right? Like highly productive, hardworking, like, but again, self-aware, like- Addict, it's it's an addiction and a compulsion, which we've talked about a lot too. Yeah. Well, so go, to go back to the, what she said before in the Leland letter, I agree men are not the enemy. Women are not the enemy either. I, well, it's neither, I don't think it's either gender. I think it is the systems in place mm-hmm. that we need to be more aware of rather than like, what is your conditioning? Dax Shepard and Kristen Bell were just talking about this and they were watching a show together and all they were thinking is, oh, she looks good for her age. And then they never say that about a man. Right. Never. Yes. And they're just, like, this is just, and they're both pretty Yeah, evolved people. Yes. Yep. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, on the kind of smash the patriarchy spectrum and those things are still ingrained in them. And I think they're ingrained in everyone and it is about deprogramming it, but it isn't about thinking anyone is the enemy. Yeah. Not women aren't, you know, catty bitches and men aren't all power hungry, you know. Assholes. Yeah. Keeping keeping us down. Mm -hmm. And some of them are. Some women are assholes. Some men are assholes. It's all, it's, it's all. It, yeah, it comes in every variety. But about her, the marriage marriage thing, we were just ta- having a similar conversation in, in our house about lots of things. Uh, but I was saying something not unsimilar to what Ursula was saying. And Ian, said, my husband, said, Scott Galloway in a recent, you know, I don't know, TED Talk or whatever it was, who is, and if you don't know who Scott Galloway is, he is a business professor. He is a serial entrepreneur, has founded nine firms, including L2, Red Envelope, and The Profit. 
In 2012, he was named one of the world's 50 best business school professors. He's a big deal. Wow. You know, so everyone comes to him looking for business advice. How do I get better at my job? How do I get better at being creative in the workforce? You know, innovating, taking everything to the next level, being on top of trends. And for him to say the most important decision what he said was the most important decision you will make in your entire career is who you marry. Whoa. And yeah, I thought that was interesting coming, first of all, coming from yeah. a man who we don't think of as, you know, saying saying something like that or or appreciating marriage or relationships. But also to say like the most important decision you make in your career is the person you marry I just thought that spoke exactly to what she's saying here. Ursula is acknowledging that without Jake's like steady mm-hmm. hand and love behind her, whatever that means, but we'll get to that yeah, later, yeah, yeah. that she couldn't be who she is. Yeah. And she's grateful for that. Yeah. And so, yeah, so I get it. I, I see that. It's funny though, because I related to Ursula in... Although all of these things really struck me and I thought they were really interesting to read. It's like one of those things that you're like, oh, I like reading that, but I didn't relate to it. Mine were after she had her baby and after 9-11. And I think it's pretty much one scene Mm -hmm. that, that, because it comes very close together. And she has a baby and all of a sudden she kind of becomes someone she didn't expect. She's like making baby food from scratch and she's never cooked a meal in her life. That was literally me. Like I never cooked, didn't care, didn't whatever, had no interest or curiosity. And then as soon as I had a baby, I was like making homemade applesauce. Right, 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 right. What what was I doing and what had I become? It was kind of shocking. I was a little more disconcerted than she seems to be. Right. But I also love that it didn't diminish her ambition. No. At all, which is the same for me. Like, I was going to make the best goddamn applesauce there was. Of course. Right? Like, of don't course. tell me that he's just peeling apples and, and, you know, boiling them down. I will make this right. I will make this best. I will preserve the most vitamins. And now, obviously, that that's a very, luckily, that's a very quick phase in their lives that, that, that you get, get, become so obsessed with those things. But my ambition never for a single moment wavered. Now, after the applesauce phase was over, I channeled it into different career yeah. and work tasks right. but or or goals but and so does she though i mean she switches yes. careers but yes mm-hmm. i loved that and it was the same for me it was also the same thing for 911 for me it happened 10 years apart but they were both really powerful life changing events for me and ursula you know after 911 she said she or maybe is it after baby i don't I forgot they're so close together it's like 9 months and it's like a page in the book so ursula wants to make a difference and change the world i don't know that i would put it that way i don't feel myself being as someone who's like changing the world but I felt the same at my core, but all of a sudden I really needed to talk about things that I thought mattered. I wanted to change the conversation right after 9-11. And that was a big difference for me because there's no, in the law, you're not changing any conversations. It's right. not even on the table. No. And so that was a big change for me. But again, 
no dip in my ambition, my drive, my motivation. It just it just got channeled differently. Fo- yeah, yeah. Just, exactly. The focus became different, and it felt really important to do. And that. that's, so. I mean, that's exactly you're right. Then that's exactly what happens to her because she's watching the news. She realizes that her law firm has basically lost tons of people, including Anders, who she at that point was mm-hmm. maybe sure he wasn't the dad, just based on the way the baby looked, but. could very well have been the father of her child. And she finds out he's died and she's sort of sitting there and it just like has a moment of realization and and wants to go back to her hometown and go into politics and just completely change course. And I know you after 9-11, you made some very big changes. And she does get, again, it's a small moment, like you said, but she gets some really interesting parts, I think, Ursula in the book. Yeah. So she definitely meets our criteria. She does. You know, just one of those moments, having those moments where you're like, okay, I see this now. Yeah. And I can no longer unsee it. So yeah. I have to do something about it. She took off in a different direction much faster and more efficiently than I did, but that's besides. Yeah, and it's interesting because you asked me in an email, I think, whether I hated her because she is an obstacle for Jake because I typically do, as you know. I really, anyone who's an obstacle to my, you know, protagonist getting what she wants, usually I really do. I I really hate them, usually. and I know, I've seen you, you're like, Rip your like, eyes out. They can die. <laughs> yes. I really do. But, and from I normal was, people, yes, I remember that. Yes. But it's from a lot of things. But I yes. was like that at first, like you said, until, because mm. because also, as you pointed out, she was kind of one dimensional and it was easy to just see her as the obstacle. But I liked yes. her more and more as it went on. I, I still wasn't, I kind of wasn't rooting for her. It's not like I was like, oh, and Jake really does love Ursula and they really should like I it was never that I'm just like she's so interesting and I started relating to her more that I didn't even view her vis-a-vis Mallory do you know what I mean and any kind of whatever she just kind of became her own person that I was interested in and then yes that was it for me and I didn't have that issue anymore yeah which is great okay because that says a lot about Ellen because normally like I said I would be like yeah yeah I would get out of the way or Mm -hmm. like I want to skip through her chapters which it sounds like you said some of the some of her fans maybe didn't enjoy her but I really I really did well who knows yeah I mean I don't know if that's a large majority there's there's some Amazon reviews yeah. saying saying as much yeah. so in the blogosphere you never know it could be one it could be one <laughs> one angry you know. reviewer who just keeps yes. writing in <laughs> exactly so Ursula definitely complicated we both liked her and related to her for different reasons mm-hmm. though which yeah. is always fascinating to me yeah but this story really is about the drive of this book is the love story between Jake and Mallory. So maybe we should get back to them. Yeah. Do you want to talk? I was going to just go right to damage. Yeah, because I, I think we can skip scenes because I feel like yeah. all and the rest of our segments will get into some scenes or quotes or passages anyway that I yes. that I like. Okay, good. Okay. So it doesn't go too deep into psychology about any of these characters, but there are definitely some nuggets of damage around the idea of love. Mm, and right? marriage. For, yeah. Yes, yes. For Mallory, for Jake, for Ursula. We get it from almost every character, these different ideas of love and what it means to be in love and what's worth pursuing. To me, especially from Mallory's point of view, because as Ellen tells us, Mallory is our girl. 
that comes when she's in a relationship with Scott, which I think was the deepest she really digs into this idea. It seems to be a really good, healthy relationship, and yet something is missing. And she says on page 235, she's lying to Scott. She doesn't love him. She really, really likes him. She Mm -hmm. thinks he's a wonderful person. He's smart and kind and sexy and funny and absolutely wonderful with Link. She's happy every time he walks in the door. She feels a ping of pleasure every time he calls. He has filled a void for her and for Link that she didn't even realize was there. Mm -hmm. Her relationship with Scott has been a joy ride. It's been heady infatuation. She loves having a partner in crime. And it has been luxurious all the ways, big and small, that he's made life on this island easier for her with his companionship, his ardor for her. She has spent the past three and a half months being adored. Flowers delivered to her classroom, blah, blah, blah. This is the stuff other women dream of. Mm -hmm. Mallory and Scott can get married at the Sconce Chapel. Roxanne will wear a wreath of white roses around her neck and link a tiny tux. There's plenty of time for Mallory to have another baby, but Mallory doesn't doesn't love love him. him. Now, I don't know about that. (laughs) That seems a little insane. That seems a little bit like love, what she just described, you mean? Yes, it's not, you know, we've heard so much of, you know, he's so good to me, or maybe it's all sexual chemistry, those opposite ends of the spectrum, but she seems to suggest all of it's there. She feels like a little ping. There was heady infatuation. This is good with with her son. I mean, he's considerate, he's kind, but you're right. He checks all the boxes, she says. All of them. All of them. All of them. But, but she insists she doesn't love him. I know. And you don't yeah. believe that. Or you think she's confused. I think I do believe it. Mm. But I think the reason she doesn't love him is because she is hung up yeah. on Jake. A hundred percent. And so then one must assume then that she really loves Jake and your heart can only belong to one person, right? Doesn't she say that in here? Oh, My yes, she does. Tra- it's not transferable, she says. Right. Yes. Her heart is right. not transferable. It has belonged to Jake since the first time he answered the phone in Coop's room. Since the yeah. afternoon he stepped off the ferry and onto the dock. Since the moment he slid an omelet onto her plate. What can she do about this? Anything? Is she simply being stubborn? Has she been effectively brainwashed? Yes. No, she says. <laughs> Mallory. Yes, I say. So, but here's what, I, this is, so she says, yeah. Mallory anticipated she would someday meet a man who would eclipse Jake. She has even, even welcomed, welcomed this because although loving Jake is the sweetest kind of agony, it's agony nonetheless. And what yeah. I would say to you, Mallory, is you're an idiot if you expected yeah. that you would someday meet a man who would eclipse Jake while you were continuing to be exactly. in a relationship with Jake. That's not how exactly. it works. You got to let that shit go in order to be open to someone else. So Scott yes. really is all of those things she described. And yeah. and like you said, and that seems like love, but she couldn't the, be open to that while she was still yes. hung up on Jake. The only reason she didn't love him was because she wouldn't let herself. She wouldn't let go of Jake. Yeah. And knowing that that was the thing that she was holding in her hand that wouldn't allow her to reach that last piece of the feeling with Scott. Right. And that's just insane. That, she doesn't that's know like, that that's what she needs to do though. I guess. Because, but, right? Because think of it, like it says, she thought, and I don't, right? Don't you know people like this? They think they can 
while they're still holding on to something else and while they haven't really dealt with that, that they can be, but in the meantime, I'm open to others. Totally. Yeah. No, you're not really, because it's like a force field around her. And, and, and as long as she wanted to hold on to Jake, she was never really going to be open to somebody else. So she thinks she says it here. Like, oh, see, Mm. it's not my fault. I wanted someone to eclipse him. She did not. No, she didn't. Yeah. She wanted Jake. I mean. Yes. Right. She wanted Jake first and foremost. I don't know. I, I can't. That, that's when I lost it. When she, not that I cared about Scott at all. I mean, the the character as it's written, I was really uninterested in her, but that little diatribe that she had, I was like, forget it. I'm done with you, Mallory. You're self-destructive and ignorant and unaware. And I won't, not interested because the, you know, I, the, the bear thing was totally different. She yeah. did kind of a, a let herself fall for him and she got burned and I understood that whole situation. But this <clears throat> one was, I thought, just just too self-destructive. I was not interested in following her. She was never going to do better for herself. For herself. Right. And then I was like, well, out, that- I'm out. <laughs> On me, I'm and I have a similar frustration. Maybe it's just like I mean that bothers me too. What you said, yeah. but it's also for me the whole time. I'm just like, if that's all true, mm-hmm. why do you never ask for oh, more? Right. I, I yes, mean, I drive. Yes, me oh yes, bananas. Yes. Okay, so yes. listen, if you like this one time a year thing and you really don't want more because this was your idea and you're so great with it and we're all supposed to believe this in this story (laughs) that you had agency and this was your choice and you've lived a wonderful life and that you're still open to other opportunities, right? Okay, but no, you're not really. And then one comes along and you figure out, oh shit, I actually really love Jake. My heart's not transferable. Then yet you don't go back and say, well, then actually, Jake, it's you. After that thing with Scott, you should have, she should have just. I can't wait for our crystal balls. Yes. Oh God. And mine sucks. So I'm going to wait for yours. Wait, Wait? but like what the. Yeah. And I know that I'm supposed to believe that she was happy that way. I just think you got to be kidding me. You don't. If you really loved him, yeah. you're okay with this arrangement? Yeah. I I believe she's okay with her life. I don't believe yes. she's okay with all she has from Jake. I don't. I think she feels fulfilled in every way except for that Jake isn't hers in the way yeah. that— She has to borrow yes. him. Oh, God, that line, yes. it makes me— Yes, mm. yes. Yeah, he's never mine. Yeah. Like, she only ever borrows him, in fact, steals mm. him, basically. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So, well, but so here's my question. Does she love Jake? Well, I'm, this is, this. I know you wanted to talk about, like, so what is love? Yeah. And I'm like, oh, God, this is, like, so hard. Yeah. I think she does love Jake. Mm. I do. And I, I think that, you know, it's very hard to define love. It is. It comes in a lot of different yes. variations. I mean- we could debate whether Ursula and Jake, what's that between them? Mm. Is it love or is that just more, you know, a partnership? Yeah, I wouldn't say Or that. based yeah. on nostalgia and right. whatever. Then there's, of course, just is this just sort of the romantic love, mm. the infatuation type mm. love that she has with Jake? Mm. Well, on page 236, I'm going to use this line, yes. which I think Kitty, is that her mother? Who yep. said, love is love. Or not love is not love, as the case may be. And really, there's no explaining it. I'm like, I, I don't know. I mean. I, I agree. But but you're still not answering my qu- Or I guess you did. 
I think they're in love. Yeah. I, I think she, I think that Mallory loves Jake. I do. And I think then the question is, do you think Jake, well, you don't think, we'll start first, does Mallory love Jake? I think she does. No. Yeah. No, I don't think so. You, I think she You think she no. Uses, but do you think Jake loves Mallory yes. then? Yes, me yeah. too. Okay. I don't think Mallory does. I think Mallory did love Jake at some mm-hmm. point and maybe at more than one point. But I think over the span of 28 years, he is a crutch for her mm. to hide and to protect herself and to never really be out there. And I yeah. think if I cared more about this character, I would have been more upset. But yeah. I, I think the arrangement or whatever it is, I don't even know if it's the arrangement, just the way she insisted on saying she loved him or, and keeping apart for him was such a defense mechanism and it was holding her back. From so much right. more. Yes. And, so, and it's so f- yeah. funny you say that because I was talking to a friend about it and she's like, I hated Jake. I hated him because he held Mallory yes. back. And yes. I, what you just yes. said is though is something different. She held herself back. Yeah. I mean, I guess- well, it always I, I, goes- Why are you blame Jake for that? Well, I it mean, always goes both she could have. It always goes both right, ways. But, I, yeah. but meaning it's not like, then I came back with, well, why is it his fault? Yeah. I mean, she never asked for more. Yeah. Go back yes. to my point that drives me yes. crazy. She never said what she wanted, that she wanted more. And he said, no. Yeah. I mean, so, but in a way, yeah. I mean, I guess- I yes, blame both of them. did hold it back. I bl- exactly. It's like, you know, it's the, it's the chick song, Set Me Free. And sometimes that is the kindest thing you can do for someone. And he never did that for her. And I think that's because for some reason he hated himself. But that's a whole whole different podcast. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, but I'm interested because I know you like Jake. Well, I I don't know that I like Jake. I can relate to him in many ways. Related. Right. So I'm curious, like, Someone else was like, like, why is he not an asshole in that he was selfish, had his cake and ate it too? Yeah. You know, what? what's the, what do uh, you think about I that? Don't, I don't see him as a selfish asshole. I do think he hated himself and he wanted to torture him. People do yeah. <laughs> horrible oh, things God, to this themselves. Is so true. Yeah. This is so true. So I, I, I think. He wants to torture himself. Yeah. yeah. And he thinks oh, he deserves God. this punishment whatever the punishment may be. And I think a lot of that has to do with his sister, his twin sister, and yes. the guilt he feels and the bond that he feels with Ursula over that, you know, mm-hmm. over that whole situation. Right. And that is just something he cannot let go of. And it's a wound, you know, again, to breathing in foodie love that he keeps picking the scab and will not let it heal. Oh, and you know, it's funny. That's my favorite line. And I was going to say, if I had to define love, maybe it's this from page 54. He says, but there was something about Mallory that made him feel safe. He could turn himself inside out and show her his wounds Mm -hmm. and it would be okay. And I was like, oh, the wounds. We love the wounds. But but you're right. So you're saying, see, now this is interesting to me. So he... Wants to torture himself, and do you think it's he doesn't there want for to? It's not conscious. It's not like oh, well, of he's course. Not like, of course, he thinks he deserves it. I think is a better word. That's what I was just yes. going to say. It, do you think he deserves it? That's he what I was thinks just he does. Say. Yes, he thinks he deserves, yes. and that he should just be glad that he has Mallory for a weekend a year, and that that thank God, and that's maybe but, thank God, and that that's maybe he doesn't really deserve any more sort of happiness or yeah the, or yeah that three hundred and sixty. 
two days out of the year. Like someone like with his sort of tortured mentality is just got what he deserved, which is just one weekend. I guess, but the, I don't know. I don't think he'd see it that way. He sees it as he is, he, he, he is Ursula's. He belongs to Ursula and he wishes Mm -hmm. it was different, but he knows that it's not. Yeah. He says it's like succumbing to a kind of witchcraft, Mm -hmm. him and Ursula, you know, like, yeah, he said he, he feels less like love and more like succumbing to a kind of witchcraft. Mm. He said they're connected in 10,000 ways, like the shared memories, yeah. the inside jokes. Yeah. But then it's about how he saw her connected to his sister and all of that. I mean, it just goes back more into memories and just like, yeah. again, this connection that they have. Yeah. So they both are really damaged and this is really holding them both Yes, back. I mean, it seems so. But uh, But here's another thing about Mallory that I didn't like that I wasn't sure where I should believe that she loves him. I just don't, I don't believe it. I really don't. But here's another one on page 216 and she sees Leland's parents or is it whatever. There's some weird thing you'll, you'll know. Oh, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. So she tries, she tries to imagine Sloane and Steve in the early passion of their secret affair. Mm-hmm. The all-consuming obsession, the stolen moments of rendezvous made it more heady because it was forbidden. Had they viewed their love as a rare jewel, something no one else could possibly understand? And if so, how did it feel now that it had devolved into being, just like the masses, squabbling because they felt uncomfortable at Sloane's grandson's first Mm -hmm. birthday party? Food for thought. If Mallory and Jake were ever together together, would they wake up one day to find the magic gone? Probably yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but that's his very dismal view. That's why of like, and there's a couple other points. And I, I know we're going to talk about just this, what we think of this concept anyway, yeah. this same time next year. So some of my thoughts were there on that. But she really does, I think, want you to believe that this, these little stolen moments of a weekend, a year are like the way to go. Because like to that quote, if you get stuck in the everyday life, like the magic just automatically goes away. And I'm like, damn, that's like very dismal. And then there's comments about maybe it's monogamy. Maybe that's the problem. She says Mm -hmm. at one point, you know, maybe it's not marriage. Maybe it's this concept of monogamy. And it's just seems like. I think she doesn't love him. I think she doesn't love him. I think she, if she really loved him, she would be willing to try that. And she's not. And she likes keeping, it's a protection. He's a crutch, a, a shell of protection for her. And yeah. that's a way to justify it. Like, probably that's what would happen. So it's better that we're this way. You know, you got to just be all in, right. Mallory. You got to be all in. And you got to take the good and the bad. You can't think, she's gotta, the one trying to eat, have her cake and eat it too. Even though to me, it's just like misery, misery. No, definitely. It is. I do think it's a protection mechanism. Yeah. But I don't know that I would say that means she doesn't love him. But you're saying she's not giving herself a chance to even like dive fully in yeah, does she, and see how what happens. How can you say, I understand what you're saying, but how could she say she loves him? She doesn't even know. She's never been with him. She's never been in a relationship with him. I mean, they've had sex and spent some days together, but you don't know you if you love someone until you wake up and have an argument and get over it and tell them they have 
to brush their teeth or, you know, like whatever. It, it, right. Well, if you go with love as like a feeling, what you're saying is they don't know whether they could make it in a relationship because they haven't done any of the things that sort of are necessary to see if that can be successful. Okay, but but I'm not sure that means they don't have the initial feeling, no. but it hasn't been tested in any way is what you're Yes, saying, because love which is, is a feeling that has to yeah, but be, then no, be above those other feelings the feelings of annoyance, the feelings of frustration. It has to be stronger than and bigger than all of those other feelings. It's not that it sits over here in a box by itself. Oh, I love him or I don't love him. No, you love him, but is it stronger than everything else you will ever feel? Then that's And they've not tested that. Yes. Yeah, yeah. They don't know whether that's true yeah. or not yet. So I think they've got to the first step, but we don't know enough basically. Yeah, but I, to see I how mean, to... I would say no though, because if you aren't willing to lay yourself fucking bare and say, I think I love you and you're the most important person in my life, we need to be together and it's not going to be easy yeah. and it's going to have a lot of shit, but we have to do it because we are in love. Then you're not. If you can't right. do it, then you're just not. Forget about it. It's never going to sustain all those other feelings because she can't even get there. So you're basically expressing my number one frustration of her never saying she wanted more, never being willing to take the chance in a different way, which I love. This is interesting. You're saying that therefore- She doesn't love him. That means she doesn't love him. And I'm just like- Expressing the frustration, but I didn't reach that conclusion yeah. with it. I yeah. just don't, but I, I don't think I, it's, I, it's love is love or it's not love. And if she's not willing to do it, then it's just not love. It's just not. Right. Interesting. It's just not. Okay. Okay. Well, that would explain why she doesn't fucking do it. It drives me crazy. <laughs> I'm just like, speak up, lady. Yeah. I'm like, how can you take that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, we talked about this when we were me. texting. I mean, I wouldn't have lasted two summers before there's an ultimatum. <laughs> no, let alone yes. 28. Uh, there yeah. would be an ult. You know, I might last two summers and then after that, I'd be like, okay. Now we will get married. We will be together for real. Whatever it is that I was needing, I would say, okay, now it's time. That's enough. That's enough of this silliness. That's, yeah. No, I know. I know. Interesting stuff. I don't think we have any answers, but we read the same book. We did. We did. (laughs) And we see such different things. It's, It's amazing. And I know that there's people out there who are seeing even other things. And I think that's what's really fascinating. And that's what makes this a book you want to read and tell everybody else to read. And and we got to credit that to Ellen Hildebrand. Yeah. And and what she said, right? This is our what she said segment. Yes. This was another one of those. As with every really good episode, this is one where I was on board with the media, right? I have to read the thing first and then, or or watch the movie or the TV show. And then when I go down the rabbit hole of the creator, in this case, the author, oh, I felt so much more in love. I wanted to like buy her entire back list. I'm, yeah, I am yeah. in. And you, for you, like we said at the beginning, this was your first one. So you, you, this was all new yes. to you. Look, I've followed her for years. I've kind of read about her in the past, yeah. you know. So this was like a whole new discovery for you then. I love it. It was, it was. I was in. So what do you have for? So, I mean, I've read a bunch of things and listened to so many You've things. You've been following her for so much longer. I'm, I'm sure mine is elementary compared to your... Yeah. No, it's not. I mean, I have tons about just like about her, you know, and her writing process and all that, which we can talk about. But the quote I loved that 
I thought was interesting is she's talking about if there's one theme, she says, it's that we all mess up. Mm. We need to pick ourselves up, dust ourselves off, say we're sorry, ask for forgiveness and move on. She says, I feel like people really connect with characters who are sympathetic and you know you're sympathetic when you're real and you're real when you have flaws. Mm-hmm. You know, she said, I, which I thought was great for this podcast, but as a writer, she says, she says her only job is to love her characters. And she said that this really helps her because her characters are flawed, like she Mm -hmm. said. And when they make bad choices or do unlikable things, she feels it's her job to love them anyway and to find their humanity. Mm -hmm. And she thinks that that's what comes across on the page about them. Because if you're going to have characters with flaws, I mean, it makes sense. She said, like, in order for them to be relatable, if I, the author who's creating them, don't love them anyway or don't find their humanity, then my readers right. never will. So she's like, I just view my job as to love them so mm. hard. And that doesn't mean they don't make mistakes, doesn't mean they're not flawed, but as long as I love them and see their humanity, that'll come through on the page. And I thought that was a really yeah. good way to think about it, yes. right? As she's writing a character, for example, who's having an affair mm-hmm. every year, yet she loved her, yeah. I guess, in writing yeah. it. And so I thought that was very cool way to think yes. about it. It makes sense because if you, to bring out their humanity, that that makes complete yeah. sense to me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was very surprised, and that will show you some bias I have. I was very surprised to find out that she attended the Iowa Writers oh, Workshop. yeah. After Johns Hopkins, yes. so this is no slouch yes. here. <laughs> no slouch. Certainly, I, I wasn't surprised that she's intelligent, but Iowa is very yeah. literary. And I've heard through the rumor mill that they won't even discuss publication. They don't talk about agents. They don't, I mean, it's very taboo. It is not about the business of being a writer at all. And that surprised me because she is a very keen businesswoman. And I Mm -hmm. love that about her. I love that she melds those two sides, being creative and making her career as a creative person, as an artist, you know, artiste. And yet she brings the business side to it. That is the kind of author I want to be. I want to be someone who devotes my life to making worlds, being creative, but I want to be a good businesswoman. I can't not be. It's just in my blood. And so I I love that she has, shows me the model for, for melding both of those things. I love that. She says uh, about her time at Iowa, this is an article I read and, and the Writer says she was bored by the climate, the scenery, and it is implied the other students. Hildebrand was miserable. Yeah. And she said, but she gives Iowa credit for learning discipline. And she says, I was not the most talented person at Iowa, not by a long shot, but I could get shit done. And I was like, yeah. yes, Ellen. I love yes. that. Well, all of you are all being self-important and thinking you're writing or this or that. She's like, watch me write two books a year, bitches. I love it. Oh, and that whole thing too, how she first was with St. Martin's Press and they did not market her books appropriately. I think, was it her first four or six books? Four, maybe it was four, three or four that sold terribly because they didn't market her well and they would send her out to 
a paltry book tour and no one would show up. Not for one book, for two books, for three books. This was multiple books that no one mm-hmm. was showing up. And now she has a wait list for people who want to just like take a picture with her. <laughs> so Yeah, or go on. She's got these weekends with her fans, like yeah. I mean, which are hugely popular. Yeah. Oh my and God. And then she starts making the bestseller list. And then it's not enough for her to just make the bestseller list. She's never debuted at number one at number one at the time of this Mm -hmm. article, which was not very long ago. I think it was the two books ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She she hadn't yet yet for the second. Was it the second or the third winter one? She debuted at number two on the New York Times bestseller list, Mm -hmm. which graded her. She said the first time I was behind John Grisham, and the and last year I was behind James Patterson and Bill Clinton. They've been doing Mm -hmm. it a long time, longer than I have and have earned every single one of their readers. But man, it's so annoying. <laughs> I know. I love that she expresses yes. that frustration. And isn't, I mean, that's very Emily Giffen-like. That she needs to I be mean, she, number one. She needs to debut number one. number one on the New York Times bestseller list. And, yes. Yeah, and that's Emily. I mean, and Emily has now, but she had a similar conversation with her and switched with her switch publishing houses because of it. And she gave like the Susan Lucci speech, like, I'm tired of not yeah. winning, like meaning I want to be number yeah. one. And if you people can't make it happen, like I'll get a whole new yes. team and love that ambition and not being afraid to yes. say it. You know, a lot of authors don't want to talk about that right. stuff, yeah. you know, whatever. And, she, and, and I've seen Ellen say, you know, and some of those men beating mm-hmm. her, like Patterson, like they don't even write their books. Right. She's like, I am writing two books a year, not ghost writing, not having someone right. else, like, this is yes. me with my notepad, yes. longhand, okay, doing the well, work. Well, I think as of know? last week, I think it was last week from when we were recording this, so it may be a month ago by the time this comes out, but she debuted at number one, the the final yes, one in the winter series. It. I love that. Yeah. I was so happy I for know. her, even though I barely know anything about her. <laughs> yeah, but it's fantastic. Yes. I love it. I love it. I al- and now- I also oh, love about that winter series. Did you hear her how she pitched it? They Her new publisher came to her, or not new after, you know, and that's not new anymore, but she's with Little Brown, but after St. Martin's. They said, we have a hole in our winter schedule. Can you possibly write a winter book for, a Christmas book for- in four weeks. And she said no. She said no, but she kind of got the idea in her head. So she didn't do it for that time crunch, but she pitched them and she's like, you know what? I can write a, a winter book for next year and I have an idea for a trilogy. And they said, well, we don't want a trilogy. We want one book in four weeks. And she said, fine. So she wrote the book on spec on her own and without them agreeing to buy it, did not write the ending to it, but she gave it to them without the ending. And she said, do you want it now? And she, they said, Yes, please. We'll take all three. Thank you very much. And then they even convinced her eventually to do a fourth. So she is such a baller. I love it. Love it. Oh, my God. And she says it's so much easier to write the trilogies because... It's she's already got all the characters and and the story in mind. And so it's not like starting from scratch. So she like loves those, although she's not going to do them anymore. The winter series, because she actually said that she wants to just focus on doing one a year. And then she's got so many of her books that are possibly being developed for or adapted for TV or movies. So she really wants to spend the what time she has left doing that and being able to executive produce. Yes. So she's a baller and we love her. 
should we move to Crystal Ball? I'm excited about this one. Okay. And as usual, you're going to do like, I'm just going to sit in awe because I'm like, I, I wasn't feeling yeah, okay. it. So I want, I mean, and I felt like they gave us a little glimpse Ugh. there at I the got, end. I, I know away everything, but go ahead. Yes. And well, that was going to be my question. I said, this is the one book where it sort of does end with a little pushing you in a certain direction with the crystal yeah. ball. But I literally was like, Corinne will never follow no. that. And I don't think you like no, it. I do don't. You? you. Do you mean the kids? No. You mean the kids? Yeah. Lincoln, yeah. Bess, walking yeah. off. Uh, first of all, I'm telling you, I understand that this is not rational, but I was like, that's disgusting. They're brother and sister. And it's not, they're not brother and sister. They are in no way related to one another. But in my head, I was like, that's so gross. It's, I, it's not right. Interesting. Because it's Jake's kid and Mallory's kid. Jake's kid and Mallory's kid should be brother and sister. <laughs> oh, I see. Right? Okay, if, but as opposed to what I think she wanted us to think that even though they didn't have their chance. The next generation now, will. The next generation will. Of course, that's will, what she wanted. Which I just thought was a little cheesy. Yeah. Not, not brother, sister. I, I thought it was terrible. Okay, but I got I, you. So I did mm. not jump on that at all. It, I had such a bad reaction to it. I was like, nope, no, they should not be brother and yeah. sister. I didn't like that either. I, I just thought it was cheesy. So I was like, that's not going to be in the crystal ball. Yeah. And I just really saw Ursula winning. I was like, these were the these were only my thoughts. I'm like, this is not good. I'm like, I need to talk to Corinne. She's going to give me Yeah, a well, here. here. So I was out on a walk listening to Taylor Swift's The One, which is a song I really love and I wish we'd done more of in our in our episode because, but we did that so quickly after the album came out. And this for me is one that's really grown on me. It's kind of a slow burn song that has just like hooked me in. And and I was listening to it and I really, you know how sometimes you really hear certain lines and other times you don't really hear them. It's like, you know, you hear other lines. Yeah. Oh, totally. So this was the bridge of that song just really grabbed me. And she says, I persist and resist the temptation to ask you if one thing had been different, would everything be different today? Oh, oh. I don't remember that Oh, it's line. the bridge. It's It sounds different than a- any other part of the song. And sometimes you... It, like kind of wash over that because it doesn't sound like the rest of the song, but sometimes it really stands out to me. And I love that concept. If one thing had been different, would everything be different today? And that is how things happen. I started thinking, what were the moments that if one thing had been different, everything would be different between Jake and Mallory? The first one was for me in 1994 when Jake is newly married so that's kind of an issue. Right. But it's not it's not as easy to unwind as when he was just dating Ursula. But they were all home in Baltimore for Christmas. And him and Cooper and Mallory go to what is some dive bar? I forget the name of it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I don't, and they're yeah. dancing in front of the jukebox. And Coop is oh, yeah. it's mostly told from Coop's point of view. And he's like, what's going on? And he, I think the end of that chapter is like, oh, they could have been a cute couple in another life. And so I was like, okay, what's this? <gasps> right. right so I have Jake coming, uh, saying they're, they're slow dancing in front of the jukebox. It smells bad, stale beer. They're probably too close to the bathroom because the jukebox is always next to the bathroom. <laughs> and so it smells terrible. Yeah, I'm right yes. there with you. But he's like, look, mm-hmm. I married Ursula, but she doesn't know the real me. And Mallory shakes her head and she thinks it's awful. Like, well, how could you marry someone that doesn't know the real you? 
He says, it's not all her fault because I've done everything to show her that I was what she needed in a partner. Not many people were up to the job. We both knew that. And I wanted to prove so badly that I was. I wanted to be special, the one Ursula needed. But I lost who I was in the process of being that best candidate. I became her plus one. And Mallory just like, that's so sad. And she's just looking at him. And he says, it is, but it's not. Because you always knew who I was, Mallory. The real me, every Mm -hmm. year. She says, I did, I do. And now I do too, Jake says. And Mallory smiles and Jake pulls her closer. You're the love of my life and we have to be together. It won't be easy. I'll have to divorce Ursula and she hates to lose, so she'll fight us tooth and nail. We'll fight, Mallory says. It's worth it. I'll give up everything, anything she wants, because none of those things would ever take away and leave me less than who I am. And who is that, Jake? From the first time we spoke to my dying day, I am a man in love with you, Mallory Blessing. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> this is so Why wasn't good. that in there? That needs to be in there. Why didn't oh, that happen? Instead of, instead of Mr. Wishy-washy, like, she's like, maybe we should stop, like, 20 years in. And he's like, you can't. I yeah. need this. Well, that Oh, great. Okay, but wait, I do have another scenario. So that was his version. He steps up and pulls it together. I have a scenario where she steps up and pulls it together. And I think just as we were talking, this is the one one we were talking about earlier, when she Uh realizes about Scott, I just was not okay with her realizing what she said and then not going to Jake. And then, yes, she should have broken up with Scott and gone immediately to Jake. Now they both have small Mm -hmm. kids, much more complicated. Yes. But, but here's the thing. Yeah, you got to do it. When, as soon as you know, you got to do it. Yes. And, the, and she could have moved the timing on that anyway. And so that it wouldn't have been yeah. when they were small kids. But either yeah. way, yes. It was, it was the prime spot for a re- after that revelation for her to That's do something right. different. So I have her going to his office, bursting in, shaking off. You know, I see her like storming and shaking off whatever assistant's trying to get in her way. And like, excuse me, who are you? Because yes. she doesn't care. Because no one knows who she is, right? So Right, of course. And she goes into his office and she screams, this has to stop. <laughs> now, I will say I borrowed, oh. you'll see, very, it'll become very clear, but I did definitely borrow this little speech from a movie. It will, it will resonate. You'll hear. Oh oh boy. So she says, this has to stop. It has to stop right now. And so Jake shoes everybody out, assures them it's fine. And, and he closes the door and they sit on the couch and Mallory says, this has to stop. And he says, our, our Labor Day, it's Labor Day, right? I don't know why I thought of, yeah. Yes. Yes. Every Labor Day. You're putting an end to them. And she says, no. And he says, oh, thank God you scared me. And she says, I scared you. I'm the one who's scared. What are you scared of? Oh. Everything. I'm scared of the way not even the most perfect man measures up to you. I'm scared of how long we've deluded ourselves believing that this sham of an arrangement was enough. I'm scared of messing up our children. I'm scared of Ursula. But most of all, I'm scared of laying down this ultimatum and being rejected, of having to leave here without you and never feeling the rest of my whole life the way I feel when I'm with you. Oh my God, Dirty <laughs> yes. Dancing. Jennifer Gray yes. and Patrick Swayze. Yes. Oh God, Nailed I'm scared it. of walking out of this room and never feeling the way I feel as I do when I'm with you. I mean, Oh why? God, I why? love it. I love that. And by the way, we've never talked about that big speech on any of these episodes. Yeah. So I'm very glad I yeah. nailed that one. I thought it was going to be one we yeah. talked no. about. Oh, yeah. No, no. Oh, 
fantastic. I didn't, I really didn't understand why through the course of the book. Now, we know from the end that they're not together, but I didn't understand why at the course of the book, they weren't ever together. Like they could be together and then something And that's what everyone wanted. Yes, that's what everyone was reading for. That's why you're turning the page, even though you do know from the outset that it's probably not going to end well. I do believe that we're not alone in that, that that a lot of readers thought, the only thing I conclude is that she wanted to sort of extol this kind of this this relationship or arrangement as being like the, the way yeah. to be and i and yeah. i don't i'm not sure yeah. i get that but i guess we'll talk about that yes. with the concept yes. generally but, but i mean but i also mean cuz then you couldn't have if you had one of your scenes like that could you really be trying to push the idea that this once a year is really the, the way to well, go well i i think they could have yes i think life could have intervened right yeah she marches in and says this and then ursula says i'm pregnant and so then they they don't like he doesn't he's like i'm going to tell ursula right. tonight but they yeah, that happens all the time yes. in books and movies. You're right. That then something else could get in the way, but at least you could have had that moment and that would have satisfied exactly. me. And you and these frustrations it, that we have with her never speaking exactly. up for herself. And yes. Or him for that matter. And so you're both yes. of your scenes. Yes. I love it. Yes. I was so excited. Oh, I love this. And by the way, I love that it came to you from of a Taylor course. Swift song. I mean, that that right there yes. is like, oh, amen. Yes. Oh, my God. Yes. That's fantastic. Did you do who won the book? Do you have a big... Mine's pretty short, so... I do have a very short one. Okay, good. So who won the book? Yeah, for me, is really short and kind of cheating because we're about to talk about this and have talked about it oh. already, but... I think what won the book for me is the, just the concept, mm. the conceit, like the same time next year. And we'll talk about whether it's a good idea or not or what our views are on it. And I won't yeah. share that yet. But to me, this is just the number yeah. one thing that people are talking about yes. regarding this book. Like everyone I speak to who've covered it in book clubs or just read it themselves, that's what they want to talk about. Like, yeah. so what do you think? Do you think, do you think, what do you think about the same time next year? Like, is it possible? Do you think anyone really that does this? True. Like, it's the yes. concept that really has people coming in with yes. different views and maybe they know someone who sort of does something like that or whatever. Yeah. It's just like- Yeah, all right. Well, then let's- That I thought really I wanted that's, for me. That's true, for sure. That was definitely the winner. It yeah. was, it's what made you pick up the book and it's also what you want to talk about when you finish the book. So yes. that's definitely a great candidate. Yes, For me, exactly. who won the book was the omniscient, head-jumping, third-person narrator. I- Love Uh that style. And I don't know if she writes every book like this. I don't know how she normally, does she always write in the third person? I can't remember. I don't know. But I often think of it with Celeste Ng. But obviously, it's Mm. possible I've been missing that from... Ellen the whole time. It's possible she's written I many books this way. Yeah, I don't think she writes first person. I mean, at least the ones I can yeah, think of. Yeah, but I love that back. the third person was not even just third person. It was really this head jumping. I mean, we have moments in Bear's head. Mm-hmm. We have, I mean, not even the whole, the characters, right? There's obviously Jake and Mallory, but there we have moments in lots of people's heads in that scene. Like Coop, I think we get that one scene at the dive bar where he says they could have been in another life. I just love that we got that. And it did not, the the conventional wisdom around that is it's too distracting that people, you know, don't want to follow it that way. They want to stay firmly within one person's head. Right, right. But I loved it. I loved it. I yeah, no, that's a it. good point. I didn't even think of that. And I do like it too. And I, I wish I could remember if she doesn't mm. in others. Well, we'll have to find that out. But 
You'll check it out. Okay, so the takeaway. The takeaway is all about this conceit, the book, this arrangement. Now, you had said something Mm. to me before I read the book. And the way I understood Mm -hmm. it, I don't remember how you said it. The way I understood it was like two people that felt a lot for each other but had different lives came together every Mm -hmm. year to have this one weekend together. I think that's different from what is going on. Right. I, I mean, this is really two people who pretend this is the love of their stinking life. And they right. only right. get one weekend a year together. I feel, right. that's I feel very, different. very differently yeah. about those two scenarios. So I think when you had first said it to yes. me, I was like, totally, I could see that arrangement. How, like, maybe that there's something about someone that you have strong feelings for, yeah. but you know this is not the love of your life. It is not the person you want to sp- yeah. partner with. It's not the person you want to be with Right in that scenario. So this yes. works then yeah. because, yeah, because, yeah, but no, that's definitely not. This is like you said, this is apparently two people desperately in love with each other, but not doing anything to to actually together. Be in yes. Love with each other. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Which is different. Now, I have not seen the movie same time no. next year that this no. is based on. It's actually, I tried to, but I can't, it doesn't seem to be something you can watch online. It is um, from 1951. Okay. So maybe that's yeah. why, but because just because that's what inspired Ellen. She was watching this movie and it did give her the idea like, hmm, like maybe I could do. And it was made, I think it was originally a book yeah. too. Yeah. That, yeah. But anyway, it was with Alan Alda and Alan Burst mm-hmm. in the movie. I don't know. I didn't see that movie and I don't know how it was done there. I just think that the fact that they also can't talk yeah. during the year, they can't text, they can't even, I mean, it's, that's where it gets like kind of unrealistic mm-hmm. to your point earlier. Like you can be in love, but you literally don't even, let alone what you're saying, you don't even test it. You're not actually in real life in mm-hmm. any way. You don't even speak to yeah. each other the rest yeah. of the year. See, that's why I have to say that they're not in love. They're not, they don't love yeah. each other. They feel very, they feel things for one another, but they don't love each other in any definition of the word for me because otherwise right. I don't know how you could do this. And then if I accept that, then I then I think this arrangement sounds great. I do. But but that's not the way it's being cast yeah, here. Like, yeah. you know. I mean, I mean, she says her heart is not transferable. Right. And like I said earlier, I mean, it seems like we're supposed to read it and think this is such a great idea. Like, who wouldn't want to do this? I mean, it seems like magical yeah, yeah. and whatnot. But she does really seem to be pretty dismal, like I said, about marriage. I mean, she says maybe there was a loose seam or a fault line or maybe the problem is marriage itself. Marriage is a gamble with even odds. Half the time it works, half the time it doesn't. And then whenever, when she explained the relationship to Leland, like she's like, that sounds awesome. Like, I think you're supposed to think like this sounds like such a great idea. It sounds torturous to me. Torturous. Like absolutely fucking torturous. I mean, when you said it to me, I thought it sounded great too. But until you, yeah, but right now that you read it, doesn't it feel torturous? Yet I think she still wants us to feel at the end of the book that it's not, that it is this great idea. I'm like, but the way that's written, I just feel like it, it, she tells us like she wasn't settling and that she always felt she had agency in her relationship with Jake and all of this, but, and that she made the right choice in as unconventional as their romance was, but 
I find like I read those words, but that's not how right. I feel <laughs> yeah, about yeah. the situation myself as the reader. I, I mean, you can tell me that, but based on what I saw and felt, I didn't feel that. Yeah. Yeah. I felt like it was torture and to our discussion earlier, people avoiding shit. Yes. That, you know. Yeah. Mostly her though. I don't, I, for yeah, him, yeah. I think it was probably a dream. I think that he was like, this is amazing because I get to have this and it is more than I deserve. And so for him, it does seem ideal on a deeper level. For her, I felt like it was really holding her back. And I believe that she also was satisfied with everything else she had in her life, but I don't know. But again, I, I really didn't like her. I mean, she, she shit on Leland. I thought she was a terrible friend to Leland. Terrible yeah, friend to Leland. But Leland wasn't so great either I, to her. Oh, I agree. But yeah. she, she was so oblivious to the ways she was terrible to her that I was like, well, what about you? Right. I mean, I don't, anyone who I'm terrible to, Two, I don't sit around and complain about being terrible to me. And so that was, that I didn't understand. It's the people I'm super good to and generous with and giving and loving that if they don't treat me well back, I'm like, well, what the hell? <laughs> like what? Right, that? right. But right, if, right. if I have a dysfunctional relationship with someone where I'm shitty to them and they're shitty to me, I don't complain about that. I can't complain about that. So right, she, right. She did. And I was like, what do you think? Do you understand how horrible you are to her too? Do you understand? Yeah, she didn't really. I, that was a weird relationship there. And it she's was. supposed to be like the nice one. And I, I guess know. you were supposed to believe she was finally sticking up for herself and not being the pushover that, that Leland made her out to be. But yeah. I don't know. But I mean, I, I just, some people were really intrigued, I think, by the concept and whether it could yes. work. Yes, I do think that's, what has garnered the most discussion of people that, I, with, that I've had with people, which is, well, what do you think? I mean, maybe not exactly how they do it, right? Because a yeah. lot of people are like, well, it's fucking dumb. They never get to speak or whatever. But, yeah. you know, my own mother was like, well, I could see, you know, maybe someone at a reunion, you know, mm -hmm. every year, although you don't go to reunions every year, really. But, yeah. or someone goes to, you know, the same convention for work mm -hmm. every year and they're just two people that like meet up. And yes. that kind of, though, is more like what you thought yes. it was at first. That maybe people, can get on board with, but this feels different. I'm pretty much on board with it in every single scenario, except for the love of my life. Right. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I have to be with the love of my life all the time. I'm sorry. Right. So that doesn't, that doesn't work for me. But literally every other, whether it's just sexual chemistry or nostalgia right. or same time, like your mom just said, same time, same place, same convention every year. Sure, I'll meet up right. with you. Um, right. Even and and that can be lots of different feelings. Even someone you love or you feel deep feelings for, but also know that you would never want to be the singular love of your life. Then. I think it works in so many scenarios. The only scenario I don't think it works in is that this person is the love of your life. We also don't even see her struggling with whether mm -hmm. or not to ask for more. And that bothers me too. I mean, I guess it's easy to say, oh, she should have said something or whatever, but you don't even get to, there could be circumstances. Again, she doesn't really have it. She's not married. It's like, she doesn't have that obstacle, but whatever, where 
you might she might feel like this isn't the right time to ask her or whatever mm. but she's never even sh- we never even see her struggle with it yeah I, we're just supposed to believe she's a hundred percent content with this situation yeah well while also believing it's the love of her life and that's where you're saying that's the disconnect yes i think she struggles with it outside like of it one, i don't think she struggles yeah. with it on the weekend the weekend she's just present right. and one time with him she did because she says maybe we shouldn't do this anymore and he said like you can't take this away from me like i need this yeah but she was like, saying okay. it, but wasn't she saying it for him though not for her yeah i, I think it was remember. for him yeah i, I think it was so. i thought so yeah either way i just like there's one point where it says it's like a fairy tale it's like a game of would you rather would you rather have perfect bliss for only three days or Mm. a solid but dull relationship all year long (sighs) mallory would choose jake every time yeah but it's terrible that that that's what you think yes yes that's exactly what i was those are up to my dismal view of shit so you either get three perfect days or a dull relationship all year long i mean i know ellen's divorced and i don't know anything about her personally she's dating she has a boyfriend yeah she she does who lives long distance so he lives in in philly apparently so maybe there is something romantic to her because she's lives it of only seeing someone you know certain times i don't know how often they see each other i'm not right you know, right right but versus what is more of the day-to-day i guess yes. dull monotony yeah. of marriage <laughs> according to this book yeah and a lot of people feel that way i'm not suggesting she's an outlier no but in that sense it's not very romantic yeah i just <laughs> think you have to take the good and the bad nobody wants yeah. the dull days but Everything has dull days. And, yes. And what is in forces of nature <laughs> at the end? It's like the good, the bad days open your eyes to the good ones. You can't have the really good ones without the bad ones. So Yeah, you're right. You're right. I don't know. Like I said, I think it works in almost any scenario except for the one where, like, that she's putting forward, which is that he is the love of her life. Right, and, right. I think that's a good point. He holds her heart and always has. And so I don't understand why she wouldn't say to him, we have to do this. We have to be together. Mm -hmm. And now that can, so you can, I mean, Gwyneth Paltrow and her new husband, Brad, not not even that new anymore. They didn't live together for the first year of their marriage. Yeah. I know. They had kids. They were like, we're going to... And they didn't live far apart. They lived in the same town. And they lived in different houses because they wanted to give their kids more space right. and themselves more space. They weren't. Yeah. They both were divorced and didn't enjoy being divorced. So they wanted to really take care with this marriage. And yes. I could see that. So it doesn't have to be that she marched in there and was like, we have to get married in a church and... I'm going to wear a white dress and we're going to be together for the, every day for the rest of our lives. You can make a different scenario. But the fact of the matter is she didn't put anything out there. She was like, this is enough and it's fine. And that exactly. is like, I, that I can't comprehend. And yeah, and that was my biggest frustration. So that's why your crystal ball, man, that would have really yes. solved it for me. Yes. Totally. Totally. Oh, I wished I had seen those scenes. And again, I could see like in any movie, it gets foiled. They decide to be together and then they say, and then something happens. You know, that's when her parents die or that's when Ursula gets pregnant. And so Mm -hmm. you just think, okay, I can't do this now because something has intervened. 
But there yes. is that moment where they say to each other, we have to be together. This is it. This is it for us. Yeah. And Which, she by the way, would have really made it. I mean, I love the book, but that the book <laughs> you're describing, damn. That would have been number one, Ellen. See? No, yes. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm joking. Oh, oh my God. Yeah. But listen, it like we said, man, do you want to turn the pages yes. and read this book and talk yes. about it with people yes. and look at what we've just discussed from what is allegedly just a quote unquote beach read. Oh. I, I mean, no. Holy cow. So good. Big issues. Big issues, big themes. Out of a compelling page turn. Lots of interesting complication. A completely wild ride. I would do it again in a heartbeat. We want to let you know we've launched a Patreon page where supporters can receive perks like bonus episodes and exclusive content. Because Pop Fiction Women is our passion project, a place where we give women space to show up and offer in-depth analysis in the ways we're used to hearing about male creators and their characters. We delve into creativity and psychology with a dash of astrology, and we have so much fun doing it. Just two friends breaking down books, movies, and shows like Normal People, Fleabag, and I May Destroy You every single aspect of this podcast we do ourselves from the preparation to the recording from the editing to the social media promotion so we're adding a patreon platform because we want to keep making the show you love and hopefully expand it even further so please consider becoming one of our most complicated fans and contributing on patreon to learn more go to patreon.com forward slash pop fiction women This has been Pop Fiction Women with Corinne and Kate. If you enjoyed this show, please tell the complicated women in your life. And the men who love them. Yes, tell them to listen. And then to follow on Spotify or review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. And of course, share on social media. Tag us with your favorite books, TV shows, and movies starring complicated women on Facebook and Instagram at popfictionwomen or on Twitter at pop underscore women. For more coverage of the women you love, or to find out if you qualify as a complicated woman, go to popfictionwomen.com. And keep it complicated.